All right, welcome back. You're listening to The Dope Post on KUCI. We're now pod- podcasted on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. All our previous episodes are on there, including my Avengers Endgame predictions and theories with my housemate, Sami. But today, we have the original guest of The Dope Post, uh, Matt Hanif in. He, uh, he helped me with my demo tape. He helped me with the very first episode of this show. So, Matt, thanks for coming. Thanks for having me back. It feels like it's been so long. Yeah. So I just want to talk a little bit about sports, but then really I want to talk with uh, Matt about how our mutual experience as a transfer student at UCI has been so far this year. So Matt, like, wh- what did you what did you watch this weekend in terms of sports, uh, NBA basketball? Uh, so earlier in the week, I caught the end of the Blazers Nuggets game, which was absolutely insane. Uh, caught up on a little bit of Dodgers, really excited about how that's going, and then just watched that crazy game one yesterday. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about Damian Lillard, his 37-foot shot. Unbelievable. Have you seen like the slow-mo uh, video of him shooting the shot? And he basically... It, he takes four steps back because that's how long the ball was in the air. Right. So he he managed to take four steps back, uh, and then you see the 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 audience behind him, and there's just all like their heads are like moving from like left to right, and then they all raise their hands up. Have you you seen it, right? Yeah, that's unbelievable. And just watching the tape, like of all the shots he could have taken, I don't know why in the world he picked that one, but it was absolutely insane. And then he was being defended by Paul George, right? And he was standing like near the logo of the Trailblazers. Right. He took a contested three from the logo. It's unbelievable. And like before he even took the shot, like he took a step back and then he like faded away as well with Paul George, like also like leaning in towards him to try to defend and he still makes it. Right, and it was so suspenseful. I mean, he dribbles around for, what, 15 seconds? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely nowhere. You're wondering, okay, now's the time. What's he going to do? And just throws one up. There were at least 10 seconds where he was just dribbling, dribbling, and then everyone's like, you got to go. You got to go now. (laughs) And he could have just, what was it? I think it was tied, right? So he could have just... Yes. Gone, he t- could have just gotten, gotten a two-pointer and win the game, but right? well, he believed worked. himself. He had the confidence Absolutely. to take the shot, and he made it. I think that's definitely just the biggest sign that he's taken that next step. It was really cool to watch. I also heard that Russell Westbrook, he was talking like major trash with uh, Damian Lillard. Oh, really? I and, didn't see that. Yeah, so I think that shot was just him like really just mm. like the last goodbye yeah, well, he won it. Yeah. Um, what else? The Spurs and the Nuggets. Uh, I just knew, I just know that they were down by four. Spurs were down by four. Right. And they should have fouled, but then LaMarcus didn't hear. But then the strange thing is no one else on the team, like, knew to foul. Right. So they all just stood there for, like, a lot of time. It was a weird moment of seeing them almost just unable to comprehend what they should do without Pop's direction. It seemed really weird to watch a bunch of NBA players not be able to make a pretty simple decision that, you know, high school basketball players could probably figure out. It was really bizarre. Yeah, it was very uncharacteristic of the Spurs, Definitely. right? With all their success the past 20 years. Mm-hmm. And the it's not like not like um a non-star made the mistake, right? It was right. Marcus Aldridge. Um, they have LaMarcus Aldridge, they have DeMar DeRozan, they have Derek White, all these like really good players and like no one d- knew to foul. Right. Um, but then again, I, I heard that uh, Pop said 
the spur uh the nuggets arena they were really loud so uh, that okay it was there might be a chance that lamarcus didn't hear him i can see but that. then if you see the video you see uh i think it was Derek white in the background he was trying to like signal to lamarcus as well to foul but then lamarcus just something happened there yeah i mean how long has lamarcus been in the league that's just crazy that it doesn't even come to your mind at the end of the game it was like game seven right. their ser- their season was on the line and would you compare this to J.R. Smith last year, game one, where he didn't know the score? I think this is almost worse because it's the whole team. And the Spurs have built their dynasty not on, you know, just being a crazy offensive juggernaut. They're just, they do the little things right. I mean, that's the whole Spurs dynasty. They're technically sound. And for them to just uh, have a brain fart at the end of the game was really bizarre. Yeah. Um, anything else from this past weekend? that we want to talk about before we transition. Yeah, one thought I had was that at the beginning of the playoffs, aside from being a Lakers fan, just not seeing LeBron in the playoffs, I kind of wondered what the quality would be like because that's always such a fun storyline. But it seems like there's so many like young rising stars who are having moments in this playoffs, like Jokic going for a triple-double in that Game 7, and then Lillard just playing the way he has. It's been really interesting, but I'd be interested to get your opinion on how the playoffs have gone so far. I think Lillard was underrated before this year. He's like consistently underrated throughout the throughout the um, the years, but I think this year is is a little different. Definitely. Um, I don't know about CJ, but Damian, did you know that he? I think he was eight for ten shooting um, threes from like that kind of distance, where it's like wow. s- like Steph Curry levels of far like uh, distance. Right. He was eight for ten. So then the OK, OKC Thunder, they should have known this and they should have defended him. They, like mm-hmm. He's basically Steph Curry in that series where he was able to shoot so far. Right. right? <sighs> Just to take 10 shots from that. that was, is I think that was, that was one of the best shots I've, we'll ever see in our lives, I think. I think so. I'd agree with that. Yeah. Uh, Clippers Warriors, anything we want to say there? Uh, not too much. I think the Clippers have a pretty bright future. They definitely pushed it a little closer than i thought it would have been i thought the warriors would take care of the clippers pretty easily but it was pretty cool to see you know lou williams have good games stuff like that yeah i think katie's taking on the role of lebron on a team when he's just like carrying them on their on his back yeah it's really weird to see the warriors need someone to carry them like that i don't want to get into game one too early but even at that kd was the man on a team of five all-stars it was amazing yeah i think i think steph curry and clay i think they're kind of maybe injured a little bit. Yeah, well, they're, Clay had the ankle thing, yeah, right? And Clay then he still played 41 minutes? That was yeah. really weird. Um, it was almost like they felt they needed everyone on the floor every minute. And then also, I don't know if this is like a officiating thing, but then Steph, he's gotten to early foul trouble a lot during right. the Clippers and uh, Warrior Series. Yeah. Uh, I went to Game 3 <clears throat> Game three in Staples, and Steph got like, three fouls really fast and then he got like five in the fourth i think yeah and i think in that two minute report they said that steph should have fouled out in the last few minutes oh yeah there was a missed call so so that would have been even more interesting so then that that report would be saying that the officiating was like pretty good right and it wasn't there wasn't any like false calls or whatnot yeah so i think they disagreed with there should have been a call on Steph, I think. And then they also agreed with a no call on Harden on that really interesting landing zone three. Yeah. Okay. So let's move on to that. The okay. game one uh, yesterday, Rockets versus Warriors. Yep. Chris Paul, he played 36 minutes. 
I think, which is a lot. Right. And we don't, we obviously do not want him getting injured again like last year because they need him. Definitely. Uh, James Harden, he did not shoot well from the floor, but he still managed to get 35 points and 13 for 14 free throws. Yep. But then the, the issue, the main issue, which kind of sucks because, you know, we want to talk about basketball, but then the main issue from yesterday's game was the landing zone. Right. The idea of the landing zone. So what what are your thoughts on James Harden like doing all of his tricks to yeah. fool the refs? So I think it works really well in the regular season. Um, as kind of someone who's newer to basketball, it still is so bizarre to me that the refereeing and how they call games changes so much from regular to postseason. And obviously that's to James Harden's detriment. Um, but I definitely agree with the two-minute report where they said no call because if James Harden had just gone straight up and down, I don't think Draymond would have come into that space, but it's the fact that he extended his legs forward caused the contact. So from my point of view, that's what I saw, but what do you think? Okay, I, I agree with that. But then the issue is, how do we define what where the landing zone is, right? Right. And then every player has a different shooting motion. So you mm-hmm. can't expect them to just shoot up and down, right? right. Because the, if, if so, then there would not be fadeaways right yeah and then if you change the rule to allow forward or backwards now defenders are just going to be backing off the ball to avoid the foul yeah so it's really going to hurt play either way you do it as annoying as i find this to be i think it 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 makes the game better where officials like they have to go back and they have to examine their their rules to make sure okay the quality of the game is kept but But then so james harden as a player, I don't like it when he hunts for fouls because it just stops the game, right? And then sure. just we just we just end up watching him shoot 14 free throws uh, on a night. But then you can't blame him for exploiting the rules, right? Because yeah. like he's doing whatever it takes to win. Definitely, right? But then, like, I'm just so excited to uh, what the NBA says about this because mm-hmm. how do you define a landing zone? You can't. It's like sub- very subjective. Right. Right. And then it's not like they can just take a measuring tape and like measure exactly how far the player lands and how far the other player lands. Right. Yeah. So I think this is where you and I might differ. So I worry about with all the pressure on refs, I worry about it just going the other way and them calling fouls just because of outside pressure and not because of how the rule book says it. So what do you think about stuff like that and kind of how outside pressure can change how the refs affect game to game okay i heard uh, yesterday that the the calls were being consistent with like not uh not giving hard in the call Mm. where and that where he would like end up falling right uh i heard that they consistently did not give him the call okay but then um i hear other people say that there were there there, they some of the calls were given but then you have to go back and look at every single like instance Right. And they could be different. It's like Draymond or Clay. They could they could have gone further or like mm-hmm. uh, not as f- uh, far yeah. in in the plays. I think the refs they try to be perfect, but they're not. Mm-hmm. And as much experience as any of those refs have, when a whole stadium is yelling at you like "ref, you suck," it's like it it, it hits you. Like yeah. they can't be immune to that right yeah we forget they're human i mean they're not gonna make the perfect call but did you see d'antoni said that the refs admitted to making four wrong calls in the first yes half? That at, at halftime really bizarre yeah that they would just come up and say hey we messed up on those four during halftime that seemed really really weird to me and they and um those four uh non-calls they were three-pointers so that's right. 12 uh free throw attempts right there yeah and i mean especially if it's hard and he's gonna make most of those yeah he only missed one uh, yesterday 
Harden only missed one free throw. Yeah. So those free throws could have helped the entire team. Definitely. They're not a bad free throw shooting team. No, not at all. And did you see the Rockets are compiling a report on like the playoffs last year and they're saying that they lost something like I think 70 points over that series yeah, last year was, and it, how it changed the result. Yeah, it was meant to say that the Warriors are favored by the officiating. The officiating favors the Warriors. Right. That, that's interesting to me, especially because they're a team who doesn't seem to need any favors at all. Yeah. All right. One last thing before we transition to our next topic. Um, I saw this someone on Reddit. He, this person said that he's he observed a little bit of a coaching like chess match between d'antony and uh, kerr Hmm. where uh, james harden got fouled on a three-pointer and he got an and one okay and they subbed in uh nene and uh and tony subbed in nene Mm -hmm. to get the rebound in case harden misses and he thought that he thought that kerr would call a timeout after nene uh after Harden either makes the play, makes a shot or does not make the shot, but then Kerr decided not to t- do a timeout, which allowed uh, Nene to switch onto Steph Curry, and he's not good at defending, right? Oh, okay. So, and then that's how Steph made the the dagger three to end the game. Interesting. Yeah. So it certainly sounds like Kerr would have won that match. Yeah, I think so. Huh. Uh, all right, next topic. Uh, we got ten minutes left, so I just want to talk with matt and we are about to finish our third quarter here at uci Uh, we're both transfer students we met a a transfer event through a mutual friend so i just want to ask like how would you have done community college again oh i'd do it 100 times out of 100 i looking back i definitely don't think i would have been ready to go to a four-year and i think that the transfer experience really kind of gave me that foundation so that i was ready to come into university and it's just been unbelievable how fast it's gone by yeah after high school i don't think i was mature enough definitely not. i wasn't sure if college was right for me yet right so those two years at community college i just i was just allowed to take classes and uh, see how i did and see if i had like the right mentality for a university right and it's a lot more low pressure you can just take classes in this or that and kind of see what's right for you before you make the decision where to transfer I mean, I don't know about you, but I wish like I could have done things differently at my community college. But like, you know, I'm pretty happy at UCI. Definitely. How would you have changed your community college choices? I think if I I thought I wanted to go into uh, straight up like business, like finance and consulting or accounting. So and then I thought like, hey, UCI has a pretty good business school. So I'm not going. I'm not like you know. I'm, I'm going the right direction. Right. It's just that when I came here, I just figured like maybe i want to try to get into sports Hmm. so if i figured that out like in community college then i might have tried a little harder to get into like ucla or usc where the sports industry is a lot like closer sure and i think that's one of my few gripes about community college is there weren't many extracurricular experiences you know there wasn't a sports business association or something like that where outside of class you can find the things that are right for you So I think just like you, I came here and then through clubs, I kind of narrowed down what I wanted to do. And if I had been exposed to that earlier at community college, I think it would have just made it that much more clear before you transfer. Yeah, that's that's a that's a little con, I guess. Uh, I mean, I I didn't realize that I should go into sports until I was rushing for one of the business frats on campus. And then when these all these people were talking about like, yeah, I'm, I'm interning for this firm or this bank. And then I couldn't like relate to any of them or I wasn't like interested in anything that they were talking about. Sure. And then that made me think that, you know, maybe this isn't right for me. So then I 
I seeked out like a club or organization that were that were filled with people that had the same interests as me. And, right. Yeah, that's how I found my sports business association. Yeah, I think the social aspect really like when you see other people enjoying the things you enjoy, you kind of realize what's right for you and what's not right for you. Yeah. How is the, what do you think of like the social scene? Like I, I know like at your community college when, I don't know, people f- that transfer, they would come back and then they might, or people, someone might, might want some, like a partier, they might want to ask like, Hey, how's the, how's the party scene at, at UCLA or how's the party scene at UCI? Like, sure. What do you think? Is that, is that like a person person thing or? I think it's definitely person to person. Um, I think UCI gets a lot of knocks for its social life, but really it's what you make of it. I mean, if you're outgoing and you're meeting new people and trying new events and stuff, it's awesome. You can have an amazing experience, Uh, especially compared to community college. Ours was very much high school 2.0. You go to class, you go home. There wasn't a lot of interacting with other students. So at UCI, just being exposed to all these different options and different social organizations has been really, really fun. I think... If you're a partier, then you will like find parties, right? Because that's just your personality. So you'll meet others who are like you and then you'll get invited to parties. But then I think other people, they are not seeking out what they want themselves and they're relying on their friends. So then that's why like when I, when I read the UCI confessions posts and people are always saying like, you know, UCI is quiet and it's not, it's boring. Sure. But I think it's, you know, that's your fault. You know? Yeah. I think you have to put in a little bit of effort for sure. Yeah. How are how are the classes? How, how would you compare community college classes to university classes? Community college classes were great. I mean, they definitely got my general eds out of the way, but it's hard to compare because here I get to take classes and things I really enjoy, and I'm just interested in class, and I want to go because I want to learn more about the things I'm studying. So it's just a whole different experience. But uh, I think we both actually have Tuesday-Thursday classes this yeah, quarter. Yeah, yeah. And I, lo- I love those that. four-day weekends are absolutely amazing. Yeah. I think it was do- something like that is doable in community college, but it was really hard. Yeah, think. getting classes was very hard as well. I think I missed the uh, I missed like how the, the class sizes, right? Because my class sizes were maybe around 40, 40 students. Right. And then if you, it, it, it's not hard for the teacher to like remember your name. Sure. And then they're a lot more accessible as well. Definitely. Their office hours could have been like twice a week for and an hour each so two hours where of office hour time but then here they they might have like 30 minutes or they might not have office hours at all and then you have to contact them to make an appointment right right and did you use office hours as much in community college as you do here i think it's i think i I did go to office hours in community college but i would go just to like ask simple questions i didn't i didn't really go to like make a connection with the professor okay right but then good thing is um i keep in touch with some through email so i just like let them know what i'm up to and i think that's okay too right definitely uh here some professors they it's like they don't they don't really reveal their personality as much in class sometimes. So you might feel, well, at least for me, I sometimes feel like I'm like, I'm uncomfortable in approaching them in office hours. Oh, really? But then then sometimes I go anyways. And then I I find out like there's so much different, like in in an office rather than lecturing to hundreds of students. Right. I feel like going back to the ref thing, we forget that they have lives outside of class and that they have their own personality and their own interests. And I think I've been pleasantly surprised more than disappointed going to office hours. I wish, I feel like me, me and you, we should have uh, booked an appointment with Carvalho, our our, uh, (laughs) econ uh, game theory 
professor. Yeah, shouts to you, Jean Paul. That was a great class. JP, I love you, JP. Uh, I I wonder what he's like outside of outside of class, right? Because in in class right. he he's like pretty he's pretty uh pretty chill. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I, we should have done it, and then we should have just asked him like, hey, how 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 did you get here to UC Irvine? Should have him on the show. Oh yeah, game theory. That'd okay, be very my show's not ready for that, but <laughs> maybe maybe next time. One day. Um, what else? I like I like how there's a lot of clubs on campus. There's hundreds of clubs. Yeah, my, my, a... my community college had like thirty. I Same. think thirty, and they're all just like the big ones. I think like maybe just business club or economics club. But here, there's like Avatar, the Last Airbender club. <laughs> there's uh, political clubs. There's volunteering clubs. Um, what other clubs are you doing? Uh, so right now I'm doing Beta Alpha Psi, which is our Honors Accounting Association. And then uh, I'll give a quick plug to SCNO, our Students Consulting for Nonprofits Club. And I've just really, like, through clubs, found kind of my passion for what I want to do in my career and met a lot of really great people. And I think you're definitely right. Like, in community college, the clubs were much more general. You know, just be business club or, like you said, economics club. And they weren't as specific. And here, almost anything you're interested in, there's a club for that. Yeah, and then it's cool because there's clubs that are, you know, doing a lot of important work, like con- right. connecting students to alumni uh, professionals. But then there's other clubs that are just about nothing, really, yeah. where you just go and you watch two episodes of Avatar The Last Airbender, <laughs> an animated series that was a part of our uh, childhood. Um, but then how, what, any, any, uh, anything you, you, you change when you, uh, first entered UCI like anything you you thought you could have done better I think I would have been even more outgoing as I was I think those connections that you made early on you know you and myself and things like that they really last through university and not that I'm not meeting new people and making more great friends but I feel like very early on those connections you make are really really valuable yeah and then I remember the first event we met at, like they, they incur- the leaders of that uh, event encouraged us to get each other's numbers. Right. But then really it's like the only number that I got, like, and I still keep in touch with is like you, right? And then yeah. everyone else, they kind of just disappeared mm-hmm. and they're doing their own thing now. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so my question for you would be, how was the transition from community college just culturally and kind of speed wise? How was it changing from that semester to quarter and all of that? I think I just had this one really bad professor that kind of just killed my mood for fall quarter, which made my quarter a little a little rough. Uh, at compared. UCI? Or yeah, at UCI. Okay. So I think I think your your and your quarter is a lot better than mine. But then you know winter quarter I had like good classes, good people, good professors, so I bounced back. But that first quarter was rough for me just because uh, of that one bad professor. I see. Yeah, can you imagine people? who go to UCI or any big school where they don't um they don't like put themselves out there to like join at least one group right like there's people out there right now who are not in or in zero groups right now yeah and the only friends that they have are just people in their classes who like they're not really friends they just like need information from each other yeah I think that's kind of a stigma I feel like in high school it was kind of weird that you would go to a club to meet people like that was kind of a socially odd thing but i think now as we grow older it's just a place for the people with the same interests can meet and mingle and it's really really awesome 
And then these people that you're just, you know, maybe watching TV with for a club meeting, but then they could be like very valuable to your network when you leave school, right? And you don't Definitely. have like a, this kind of bed of um, new people to meet all the time. And you can refer to these old friends to like ask for help or ask for advice later on. Right. I think it's so easy to forget because we're young, but everyone around us will be a doctor, an engineer, a successful business person. There are a lot of really amazing opportunities here. I think community college, I was, I, I didn't join many clubs and the friends I made, like luckily it was just through this one cool class where all the honor students were in and then I made most of my friends there. But then outside of that, it was just like high school friends or right. kind of like fake friends where I, I didn't really talk to them after the class was over and I didn't like need information. Yeah. What was the atmosphere like at your community college? Because at ours, it was very downtrodden. Spirits weren't very high. It was just very dull. There was a lot of people there. Mm. I don't know about yours, but I think the amount of people at my community college rivals like a university. Wow. We had like 30,000 people total. It's just that they wouldn't all be on campus at the same time. Oh, and then they would all like, they were commuters or they had jobs outside of community college or they would all leave. Right. So that's how like maybe parking was manageable. Mm. But I think just the amount of people there, it just made it feel like a good place. And then it's all also important with like the resources of your school. So right. my community college had a good support system. That's good. Yeah. I think that adds to how much you feel comfortable in your school, right? Definitely. Definitely. Um, what about, what about yours? Oh, I think, uh, I think that I didn't, I didn't like the, the colors of my school. Really? The, what the buildings, colors? The buildings, they're painted with like a very dull color uh, okay except for the art building because you know art but Makes then the sense. other bu- buildings they were they were a lot really old so then the the paints were very dark or they kind of faded out yeah now that you say that ours was kind of like that too and i didn't really notice but at uci every building's different different yeah, architecture yeah. colors it is kind of cool that's the, a good point the that green building across from our lecture hall last quarter uh, with the tubing the yeah. super green one yeah i call that like the matrix building on campus because <laughs> it's so green all right, we have about, let's say, I'll cut it in like two minutes, but any any last thoughts about how your, your journey has been thus far? I've really enjoyed it. Honestly, it's just been kind of a whirl so far. It feels like now we're just getting to the point where things are slowing down and you can kind of be in the moment more than just go, go, go and kind of getting everything ready. But this year has been really fun and I'm looking forward to our last year of college. It's unbelievable to say. Yeah, I think... Uh, this UCI has just encouraged me to try different things and I don't like I don't know if I'll fail or if I'll make it but it's just (laughs) I love having a place where I can just try new things and try new ideas that I love or I'm passionate about Uh, all right so that's it for this episode thanks to my guest Matt Hanif he is the first guest on the dope post to be on a second time so thank you Matt thank you all right I'll see you guys next week